Hello. She's, uh, I'm the only guest speaker she says that about, by the way. Yeah, I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight. Get to speak on the attributes of God. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's just jump into it. But before we do that, actually, something I was thinking about recently that I kind of want to talk to you guys about for a minute since I had the floor is like the idea of personal heroes, right? Maybe you have some right now. Maybe you've had some growing up. I'm talking specifically like pop culture, uh, maybe like your Chris Pratt, you know, some really cool like actors or pe- like artists, people that you just really look up to. Maybe you're thinking about that for your life right now, like someone that you really admire right now. Maybe you have a long list, but I've noticed that for all the people that I know, everyone that I've um, heard of, listened to, seen, my list is actually pretty small. It's unfortunate. Like you would think after all this, I'd have so many personal heroes up over the years. But time and time again, uh, I'll hear about someone, think they're so cool, and like, yes, this is the person I want to be like in life. I'm going to get a poster, put them up on my wall, like Instagram bio, like they're there. It's going to be great. And then a couple weeks later, I tell my friends, like, I'll be here and say, yeah, did you guys hear about this person? Like, isn't it awesome? And then they'll say, you haven't heard about them? Yeah, that thing they said last week, ooh, or like that thing they did a couple weeks ago? Yeah, no. And I'll look it up and be sad and cross them off my list. No longer get to look up to them. I don't want to give too many examples right now because, you know, we all have different opinions and things like that. Um, but one example that I will give, uh, do you guys remember Kanye in 2019? <laughs> yeah, he had a great album, Jesus is King. I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, I listened to Kanye a little bit before. Um, and I know that recently I've been excited about just random, like, famous Christian people. Like, it's not something I aspire to be. I know you don't, like, need to be famous to be Christian or vice versa. But I think it's cool that maybe there's some, like, people that believe in God in Hollywood or people that have like at least 10 more followers than I do on social media, maybe a few million, but you know, they're like, they're popular. They could use that to be able to, you know, spread love and truth in the world. I think that's so cool. And so he came out with this album. I was like, yes, this is what is it. I was listening to it in the marketplace when I was working and I had all these coworkers that were not Christian, like trashed on God, all this stuff. And I would hear those songs. I think this is so cool that those people are choosing to listen to this. I thought, all right, I'm going to get a poster of Kanye. I'm putting him on my social media. Like, this is great. And then he got kind of weird, so I had to cross him off. But, so that's just like one example, right? There's tons of people like that. So there are actually a lot of great people out there. But for that term, personal hero, I think there's a lot of great traits that someone might have that I look up to. But all around, I don't really know if anyone is deserving of that term, personal hero. One incredible truth about God that I'm excited to share with you all tonight is that God is unchanging. He is amazing, he is loving, and he is unchanging in that. And so I think he is worthy of being our personal hero. In a world full of change, we change, the world changes, other people change. God does not change. That is so great. Before I jump into the rest of my message, I'd like to pray for us tonight. God, thank you for this time that we can hear from your word. I pray that you'd use me too be able to speak truth, God, that we would learn more about you. And as we do, that we would be uh, just in awe, that we would be amazed by you and the truths about who you are. We thank you for this time. And I pray that all of us would be able to come away with something new after tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So God is immutable. That is my cool word for tonight. God is immutable. This means that God does not change. This is an attribute that we're going to focus on. It is the state of being unchangeable. It's not in your handout. Feel free to write it down. And for God, it's not just a trait. It is who he is. 
right? God is always loving. He's always faithful. This series that we get to talk about, the, the truth about God and learn about, it's actually really cool. Like learning about his attributes, all of them, like Josh talked about him being sovereign a couple weeks ago. Uh, last week, we heard about God being holy. All of those are reliant on this, that God can't change. He is those. And that's why I think it's so cool that God is immutable. We can absolutely be confident about his holiness, about his sovereignty, because he is unchanging. Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. This verse and concept not only helps with our knowledge to know that it's true, but it actually helps us understand that it is real and it is applicable and meaningful to our lives today. Oftentimes, uh, I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I read a Bible story or hear it, it can be hard to sometimes understand it, like to really relate to it. It's a world that was thousands of years ago. It's on the other side of the planet. They don't have our same technology. They didn't speak English. All these different things. Even earlier today, I was looking through the book of Numbers. It's one of the first books in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. And it talked about things like the supplementary offerings, the duties of priests, burnt offerings. I got a picture right here, burnt offerings, and more. Like, raise your hand if in the last week you've given a burnt offering to God. All right, what about, what about in the last month? Wow, yeah, so I was expecting a few hands, but no hands. That even proves my point more, right? So burnt offerings, guys. These, these are just things that you read about, and you think, yeah, I, I'm sure it's in here for a reason. There's probably a theme or a message, but it is difficult when I'm going through tough times or good times, whatever it might be, and that's what I'm reading about in the Bible. It's just hard to relate to things that we can't apply to our lives. And maybe you guys have felt that way about the Bible and you've been reading it before. Well, tonight I want to share with you guys some truths to help us realize that the Bible is a lot more relevant and applicable and meaningful than you might think it is. And the key to understanding how the old stories in the Bible relate to our current lives right now is God, right? The God of the Bible is the same God today. And that leads us to our first point of the night. This is on your handout if you want to follow along that God's character is unchanging. God's character is unchanging. He can't change. He will always be the same. There's no shifting variables in God. He can't differ from himself. He can't go from better to worse or worse to better or grow. These are ways that, you know, mortal beings like us, like people that we can change, but he will never be more or less than he is right now or that he was 2000 years ago. I love this quote from J.I. Packer. He's an author. He wrote Knowing God. And in that book, he says this, the character of God is today and always will be exactly what was in the Bible times. And this is good news when we look at who God is, when we look at the character qualities, when we see that God is loving, when we see that he is just and wise and merciful and so much more, it's encouraging to see that in the Bible and to realize that he is the same now as he was before. Like, how great is that? He can never be more uh, holy or he can never be more wise than he was because he is perfectly holy. He is perfectly wise. No part of him can change. And he's not like us. Over the years, we have experiences, we go through different things, and that can change us. Um, I don't know if any of you guys, maybe most of you have or some of you have played sports, whether in middle school or high school, but being a part of just such a different thing like that. For me, it was track my freshman year. I showed up to the first couple practices and very quickly realized how undisciplined my life was. And after drills and getting yelled at and a lot of practices, I started to kind of change because I had to, whether it was for my own sense of pride or because I wanted to be fast, whatever it was, I got whipped into shape pretty quick. 
I became disciplined through that, and it actually affected the rest of my life. From being disciplined and uh, wanting to run fast, I chose to eat better. From choosing to eat better, I wanted to wake up on time to get homework done to go to track practice. All these different things, I started valuing discipline more in my life, and it started growing my character in that way. So maybe if you guys can experience that or can relate to that experience, that you know that experiences change us. Maybe it's not that. Maybe you've gone through a, a really difficult thing in your family. Maybe you've gone through a serious breakup, and those things that you go through cause you to have just a general distrust in people. Maybe you become more cautious and you build up walls. Maybe it's that you've been just rejected over and over again. Maybe it's from a job that you're applying to. Maybe it's from friends that you think you're close to and you realize that they're not showing you the same love that you are. Whatever it might be, we go through something like this and it can make us cynical and bitter. All that to say that we grow, we change, whether for better or for worse, but the encouraging thing through that is that God does not change. Psalm 102, 27 says this, but you remain the same and your years will never end. No matter what we face or how we change, God will remain the same. He is eternal and he will always be loving and righteous and gracious. And again, it's not just traits about him, it's who he is. We can put our faith in him and be confident that he will not change. Isaiah 40, 28 says this, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. God is everlasting. Your time tonight is not going to last. Your time at Chico State or at Butte is not going to last. Your entire life, the Bible says, is like a mist, here one day and gone tomorrow. All that compared to God, who will last forever. He is everlasting. This verse is also clear, which I like this part too, that he will not grow tired or weary. Like especially in college, tiredness probably feels more like a personality trait to you than it does a feeling, right? That's just like how life is. Isn't that comforting to know that God doesn't experience that, that he can't be tired? It's not in his nature. This is because not only is God's character unchanging, but God's emotions are unchanging as well. God's emotions are unchanging. This is actually a corollary to God's immutability, and this is called God's impassibility. I actually have a second word for you guys tonight. Impassibility is the inability to experience emotional change. The inability to experience emotional change. This means that God does not experience emotional change in any way, and this especially relates to pain and suffering and pleasure. God does not change his emotions. He can't change them based on how we act or think or what we do. Have you ever heard the sentiment that God is suffering with you? Maybe it's a really sweet thing that someone says to another friend that, hey, you're going through a hard time. Hey, God is, God is suffering with you. It sounds really nice and comforting to know that he's right there with you. And it is awesome to know that God is so caring and compassionate that he does see exactly what you're going through and loves you, wants to be there for you and is there for you. But the one thing that's wrong with this is that he doesn't suffer with you. God doesn't suffer that. And that's unhelpful to even like think about that. It's wrong. And it's actually comforting to know that he's not suffering. I wouldn't want to put my faith, put my confidence in a, in a God that is suffering just because of something that I, a little small mat here in the world, I'm going through something and that's causing God to suffer. I want a God that is stable, that's constant, that is there to be strong when I am not. And that is who God is. 
Have you guys ever been on a, on a beach, like by the ocean, sometime right before a storm rolls in? I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but it's, it can get pretty crazy. Like the tide turns pretty fast, the waves can crash down, it turns unexpectedly. When I was pretty young, I think it was around 10 years old, I had the opportunity to go to Hawaii with my family. It was a really great trip. We actually got to meet another family there in the hotel and they had another, they had a son that was like my age, probably around 10 or so. And I remember it was just such a great time. One of the days we got to go surfing. And so we were out in the water, it was clear skies. And we were out there. So I think our, both of our parents were back at the beach and me and my friend were out in the waters. And around that time it started, there was like a storm warning and it started getting darker and the waves just started going in every direction and it got pretty crazy. And there was a rocky jetty, which looks like this. It's like a small pier just right above the water. So it's not too tall. Um, but the one that was there, this is just a random picture, but it was a lot like rockier than that. And it was pretty scary, especially as a 10 year old, it was not a good place to be. So we were out probably 30, 40 feet from the shore. We were on our boards and the water just started pulling us towards that direction. And I was like, I just had this feeling of helplessness that I was gonna get pulled to the rocks and like die or be seriously injured or like whatever it was. It was just freaky to even be in that situation. And because I had done a couple surfing lessons, but I wasn't like a pro, like I lived in Chico growing up. And so I thought like, okay, well I've swam more times than I've surfed. So I'm gonna get off my board and try to swim out of here because that's what I know what to do, especially in a crazy situation like this. And I was trying to swim using all my strength and I was just going backwards. I was getting closer and closer to that. It was freaky. And I remember my friend was right there and he was like a way better surfer than I was. And he was like sitting on his board. He knew the urgency of the situation, but overall he was pretty calm and was yelling at me to get back on my board, which is annoying that he was like handling it so well when I was like a 10 year old, like, I don't know how he could do that. And so I was freaking out and I heard him and I was like, no, I gotta swim. I can't like surf, I'm not a good surfer, I need to swim. And I realized I was getting closer and closer to the rocks. And so out of desperation, I decided to heed my friend's advice, just get back on my board because what I was doing was not working. And I realized pretty quickly that being able to paddle while lying down on a board actually enables you to move more because there's less water pressure, all of those different things. And so I actually started moving away and we were able to get back to shore and just, I was able to lie down on the sand, like thank God I was alive. It was a crazy situation. But what about this guys? What if when I was freaking out, I was trying to swim, it wasn't working out and my friend saw me, he said, hey, that looks like you're going through a tough time. And he gets off his board too and jumps in the water. He's like, I'm here right with you, man. Like, let's, let's go through this together. Heck no, like I don't want that. I hope you wouldn't want that either. That would be terrible. It was comforting to know that he was calm, he was strong, he was able to help me during that situation. And just like that, like God is unwavering when you are going through times of suffering, when you're going through times of hardship, he is right there with you, being strong and able to help you through. One small flaw that the illustration has from my story to what God is like with my friend is that in uh, that example of my past, my friend chose to be calm and to be strong and to help me out. But God can't choose that. He is impassable by nature, not by choice. And I think that is so helpful to think about because if my friend could choose that, then he could also have chosen not to do that. But God couldn't. God is impassable by nature. A passable God is susceptible to emotional change and that is not who God is. We can take comfort in that, guys. If you are suffering, I wanna encourage you to cast your anxiety on him, your stresses, whatever it might be. He cares for you and he always will. Regardless of how faithful you have been to God, he will be faithful to you. First Peter 5, 7 
It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's so helpful to think about. One reason that God gives us for why he does not change is to protect his people. In the Old Testament, in the first part of the Bible, it is written that he does not change so that his people are not destroyed. Malachi 3, 6 says this, plain and simple, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. So first of all, God makes it abundantly clear in the Bible that he doesn't change. This isn't some abstract thought that we've tried to pull together and I've tried to figure out. It's in the Bible. God does not change. We don't have to guess if that's going to happen or not or hope that it happens in certain situations. He also shows us that it's for our good that he doesn't change. And we see that hundreds of years later in the New Testament of the Bible, about 500 years later, God reminds us of the same thing. In James 1.17, he says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. How often do you guys put your hope in school, in your success, in your grades, how you look today? What about your boyfriend or girlfriend? The idea of getting married, of having a successful career, like putting your hope in that. If you put your hope in worldly, mutable things, then your hope is going to rise and fall along with them. If your hope is in them, like this verse says, they're in shifting shadows. There are so many things in life that we can be tempted to put our hope in, and it's always in something. Like if you haven't thought about this, it doesn't mean that you haven't placed your hope in something. What that means is that you haven't been intentional to place it somewhere. And more likely than not, your friends, the social media, um, just society in general has placed it for you somewhere. And so I want to encourage you to think about that, of where you have placed your hope in life, and to choose God with that, the one who gives good and perfect gifts from above, the one who will not change, even though everything else will change. Not only is he good and loving and merciful, but he promises such great things that we can hold on to. And not only does he promise those things, but he keeps those promises. And that's part of God's immutability. It's that God's promises are unchanging. God's promises are unchanging. Do you guys know there are over 7,000 promises that God makes to people in the Bible? That's pretty cool. (laughs) These promises don't change. God is incapable of deciding one day to change a promise a little bit or to not keep or honor one. Think of it this way. If you had a bank account, maybe had really great perks and you got free cards whenever you lost it, you had crazy interest, all these things. And they promised you that 99% of the time, that it would be safe and secure, and that would just be incredible, right? You'd have more interest, you'd get more money, daily you know, bonuses, all these things from being a part of that bank. But 1% of the time, maybe it's just one day out of the year, you were locked out. You couldn't control where your money went, if it even stayed in there, you couldn't use your cards, couldn't pay for anything. That would be pretty terrible. I don't know about you guys, but I'd wanna switch banks immediately. A bank is not something that I wanna gamble on. That's something I want secure, right? If God didn't keep his promises, maybe even just one promise, Maybe 99% of his promises he kept, but what about 1%? That would not be a God that I would want to devote myself to. But thankfully, God's immutability applies to his promises. And the Bible is clear about how seriously he takes this so that we can know. God says this of himself in the book of Numbers. He says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? How powerful is that? He challenges us to think about that, to ponder that, and to understand that he is so unlike us in this area. We can try to keep promises. 
We can try to be unwavering, but we cannot do that. Only God can. Multiple times in the Bible, God makes this clear that he's not going to lie and will always deliver and keep his promises. All of these promises that he gives are clearly in his word, not from an idea or a thought or a piece of advice from a friend, but from the Bible. We can always check if we think we hear a promise through a whisper or things like that, or someone tells us something that sounds good, so it has to be a promise. We can check that with the Bible because God will not contradict himself. And so we can know through the Bible what his promises are. And some of them are really clear, like these next couple verses on the screen. The first one is Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In Matthew 11, he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. Those verses you can just read, and it just feels good to read them. Like those are God's promises to us. There's so many that I want to encourage you guys, like look through the Bible, like look it up what the different promises are. It's also worth noting right here, and it's helpful to understand that it's crucial how we understand the promises. I've heard of so many people, it's really sad, like not believing in God or not wanting to be a Christian anymore because they feel they've been hurt by God. Maybe they've heard from a friend that God won't let pain happen. And that sounds like a good Christian thing almost, right? That, you know, pain and God's against that. He won't let it happen to you. Like we think these things are promises or read somewhere and interpret it that we don't experience pain as a Christian. And then when, when one of my friends like would think of this and then something happens in their life that's not desirable, that brings them pain, that's God's fault. He broke his promise. How could God do that? So these thoughts start to happen and they think that God can't be trusted anymore. And anyone that actually does believe in God is dumb or ignorant or whatever else because he breaks his promises and Christians don't believe that. It's really sad to see that if we don't interpret promises and understand them in the context and see what they really mean, that it can lead to brokenness like that and sadness like that. Right, in the same way that I'm speaking right now and you guys are uh, using a filter, whether you know or not, of understanding and interpreting what I say, how I say, if it's a joke or if it's something serious right now, right? We should take that interpretation skill that we have and apply it to the Bible. This is how we need to read it. We need to look for the right way to interpret it, which is so important for understanding promises. Like let's look at the next verse, James 1, five through seven. It says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. That's awesome. But it goes on right here. It says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's a pre pretty serious change from verse five to six and seven. And if we stop at five, we're missing what the Bible is saying. What about this next verse, Romans eight twenty eight? This is a common one. Maybe you, all of you guys have heard this before. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This verse does not say, God works for the good of everyone all the time. I think sometimes it's easy to think that, that God is always gonna be working for your good all the time, no matter what. We need to understand what the rest of this verse says, that it's for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then we might ask, well, how do we know 
if we love him. And then we can further read the Bible to understand what that might look like. One example of this is John 14, 15, which Jesus simply says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So that's a pretty simple way to be able to see if we actually love God or not, are we keeping his commandments? Oftentimes there are conditions or context to apply that. And if we don't understand it or choose to ignore those extra verses or the context, we get frustrated when our interpretation of the promise is not fulfilled. So if we are ever struggling with a promise that God gives, the problem is not with the promise. The problem is with us or how we understand the promise. Charles Spurgeon, who's an incredible preacher, uh, it was in the 1800s, he gave a sermon and he said this in it. He said, believer, there was a delightful promise which you had yesterday. And this morning, when you turn to the Bible, the promise was not sweet. Do you know why? Do you think the promise had changed? Ah, no, you changed. That is where the matter lies. You had been eating some of the grapes of Sodom and your mouth was thereby put out of taste. You could not detect the sweetness, but there was the same honey there. Depend upon it, the same preciousness. I found myself reading that over and over again as I was looking through that. And that is so helpful to understand that God's promises don't change. Sometimes we try to fill our lives with other things and then compare the Bible to those other things. And it doesn't make sense to us because the Bible is not our filter, that we're choosing other things of life and trying to fit the Bible into how we want to understand or how it works for our lives. But God's promises are sweet and we need to go back to that same honey there. We need to depend upon it. It's nice to know that even when we change all the time, that God's sweet promises do not. If you have found yourself distant or in times of doubt with God or his promises, I wanna encourage you with this next verse. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The Bible does not appeal to us through feelings, but through truth. I want to ask all of us tonight to hold fast to these truths, to remind yourselves that even when you're feeling like they're not true, that they are true. Even when we turn away from him, whether it's through a sin as a, as a Christian or through years of our lives through not submitting to him as Lord and God, that he is still faithful to us. That is so encouraging, no matter where we're at in life, that he is still faithful. The Bible tells us that all have fallen short of God. We do not deserve to have a relationship with him, to experience his forgiveness and love, which is infinitely better than anything we can find through others or through ourselves. But God made a way for us by sending Jesus to live a perfect life as a man who died on the cross for our sins and rose to life three days later. It was so great to celebrate that with Easter on Sunday and to be just to have that reminder of what Jesus did for our lives, right? Because of this, one of his promises is that of eternal life. That way we can be sure to have an eternity with God in heaven. And he promises that when we make this decision to accept the gift he gave by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins, and that if we choose to make him Lord of our life, that that salvation we get in that moment will remain. We cannot lose it and we don't have to work to keep it. Romans 10:9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a great promise. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead 2000 years ago is the same God today. 
he will not change. Take comfort that God is immutable. His character doesn't change. His emotions don't change. His promises don't change. And just because God is unchanging does not mean that he is inactive, apathetic, or distant. God is alive and active and eternally so, he unchangingly so. And he wants to have a relationship with each of you. If you have a relationship with him already, I hope tonight was helpful to you to understand more about God and this truth. If you haven't made that decision yet to make him Lord of your life, I pray that you would make that tonight, that you would see your need for a savior and that the God of the Bible is faithful to you and is waiting with open arms today and forever as he always has been. He is unchanging. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are unchanging, that your love for us is unwavering. God, all of your attributes, all these characteristics, your essence, God, is unchanging, and we can be confident in you. We can trust you. Thank you that, especially in such an ever-changing world, God, that you are different. God, I pray tonight for everyone in here that we would come to know you better and that as a result of that, we would come to love you more. Thank you for this time, God, and thank you for, again, just your gift to us of everlasting life and all of the promises in the Bible. Just pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.